A well-known California pastor has had enough of the lockdown. He is going to defy the lockdown, and he's got a great excuse, a very clever strategy for how he's going to do it. Good morning, everyone. I'm so happy to welcome you to the uh, Grace Community Church Peaceful Protest. It's a peaceful protest. We're protesting the devil, aren't we? Uh, so John MacArthur in California, he's holding services. Pastor Rob McCoy of God Speak Calvary Chapel in Thousand Oaks, California, uh, said just uh, just day before, I wish it didn't have to come to this. I really do. But we will be violating the judge's order. We will be open this Sunday. Meanwhile, you've got orders of the Catholic Church who are sort of cleverly getting around some of the lockdown problems. You've got synagogues being targeted in New York. And you've got a real question here. As the secular left, the church of wokeism, comes and clamps down on religious life per se, are we going to join together or are we going to perish apart? We'll get into it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from last Thursday. I was going through my Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel comments, and my favorite one is this. This is actually a great point from B. Patman. Bin B. Patman <laughs> says, everyone's saying that Biden has dementia, but in his defense, he was this stupid 30 years ago. It's actually an important, I mean, you know, it's just obviously insulting Joe Biden, but it does make an important point. It is simply a lie to pretend that Joe Biden was some brilliant, wonderful, great statesman 30 years ago, and he's declined. He was always a doofus. He was always a liar. He was always a plagiarist. He was always an empty suit, and he remains one today. He's just lost a few steps. He's lost more than a few steps. He's showing obvious signs of cognitive decline. And the left is going to try to blame it on all sorts of things going back to his childhood, but it's just not going to work. And, and we can go through that point by point. It, it occurs to me also, you might, you might notice if you're watching this show right now, I'm not in my usual studio. It looks like I'm in a lovely sort of uh, living room somewhere because I'm, I'm uh, taking part in the Lincoln Fellowship at the Claremont Institute. And, you know, basically you get a bunch of conservatives to come down for a week and talk about kind of what conservatism means now, what, what freedom means now, specifically what religious liberty means now, and, and how we can understand the American founding with all this insanity going on and people tearing down statues and people burning the country. And it occurred to me, specifically on this question of religious liberty, we've got a big fight moving forward. I played that clip earlier of John MacArthur. I don't particularly like John MacArthur. John MacArthur is probably the most anti-Catholic preacher in the entire country. He regularly misrepresents the faith. So I, I don't, I'm not exactly given to liking this guy, but I like his protest. I like the fact that he is defying this outrageous political overreach by the left. And there are a lot of pastors doing that. A lot of Protestant pastors, a lot of mainline Protestant pastors, a lot of evangelical, a lot of Catholic orders are working their ways around the, the lockdowns. A lot of Jewish groups are being targeted in, in New York, for that matter, right? To Bill de Blasio, you know, it seems like every, his angriest tweets during the whole COVID lockdown are just to threaten Jews and say that he's going to shut down synagogues permanently. What does this mean? This is something we've been talking about as we've been examining the founding of this country. The founding fathers did not want an established church, right? The First Amendment says there will not be an established church at the national level. 
A lot of people mistakenly took this to, to mean that this was a, either a total separation of church and state, or even worse, that our government was secular. But our government, that is just a lie. That is a total 20th century fiction. Lock that away with the tooth fairy and the Easter bunny. The founders had a very sophisticated view of religion, and we are seeing the fruit right now of not heeding their warning. But we do know what to do. We'll get to that in one second. First, however, I've got to thank our friends over at Ring. Speaking of safety, you know, we've got a whole lot more deliveries these days, probably. People aren't leaving their homes as much. They're working from home. They're doing things at home. And so you're getting a lot of packages. Well, you want to know who's at your front door, and you can do that either from your bedroom or if you do happen to go to the office, or maybe you're traveling. I know a lot of people are doing that too. You can always check in on Ring. Uh, I, I love Ring. I, I, it makes me feel good to know that sweet little Elise is a good shot, but that's not enough, okay? That's not enough. You also want to be able to check in on your home. Uh, one, one great thing about Ring, so you've got the all-new Ring Video Doorbell 3, means you can keep a closer eye on things than ever before, gives you protection at every corner, smart lighting, brightens up blind spots, makes sure you always come home to a brightly lit house, full home security systems, give you everything you need to protect your family, pets, and property. But one of my favorite things about this is when my friends buy a new house, I give them Ring as a housewarming present, and it makes them safe, you know, and it looks really cool, and most importantly, pretty inexpensive. So you seem you seem like a great guy when you're giving this to them as a gift. Get a special offer on a Ring Welcome Kit right now when you go to ring.com slash Knowles. That includes the Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro. All you need to start building custom security for your home today. Ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, ring.com slash Knowles. So one thing we've been talking about here, uh, as we've been talking about the founding fathers, is their, their view on a church, right? This is not a total separation of church and state. This is not a preference for secularism, God forbid. There's no established church at the national level, in part, actually, because there were established churches at the state level. Various states had established churches, but they had different kinds of churches. And obviously, there were a lot of different religions in America. One thing we've been discussing is that the view of the founders would have been that at the national level, one single established religion would be tyrannical. If You've only got one, right? One church at that level in the American idea. Two religions would lead inevitably to civil war. You've got these two religions contending against one another, not going to last very long, not, not very well. Look around, look around the Middle East, you see two major religious groups, what happens? It doesn't go great. But many religions, you have peace. That's, that's one way the founders thought about religion, and it seems counterintuitive. One religion tyrannical, two religions civil war, lots of religions, peace because you, you're not going to take one particular preference over another. You're not going to, you know, you're, you're going to be so distracted with all the different religions. However, and really when we say that, we mostly mean all the different varieties of Christianity, mostly Protestantism, but, but Catholicism as well. And Judaism. George Washington writes a famous letter to a, a Jewish congregation. But that's not what we have right now. What, what it occurs to me we have right now is two broadly competing religious ideas. That is religion and atheism, secularism, leftism, whatever you want to call it. Those are the competing religious ideas right now. And secularism has advanced and advanced and advanced to the point that they're now trying to trap us into a tiny little corner where maybe we can have a little tiny bit of religious liberty, but that's it. And while we're all busy fighting amongst ourselves, they are going to back us into that corner. We can't have that happen, okay? We, we have to realize the founders 
despised atheism. It was one of the worst things you could call people. There were, there were many social mores and even laws going back all the way to the earliest parts of the country against atheism, what we would now call secularism. Our founders talked at length about how you need a religious people, like an actual traditionally religious people, to have a freedom to have our society. And right now, those religious people are on the brink of extinction because the, the secular government is telling us we can't even go to church anymore without being arrested. Can't have that. What we need is, is some unity, okay? We need some solidarity here in the country among religious people of all stripes, maybe invoking some of the same ideas we had at the founding of this country. In many ways, we could try to, to bring back the founding ideas of this country. That's going to be the religious battle, though. That's going to be the religious crusade. And I think it, we're going to have to stand together. We're going to have to join or die, as Ben, ben Franklin said. We're going to have to stand together or we're all going to fall, fall down on our own. Speaking of misrepresenting Catholicism in particular and religion generally, the Lincoln Project. You know the Lincoln Project. It's this group of Democrat advisor con men, political consultants who are basically milking Democratic small dollar donors for everything they're worth and pretending that they're going to kick Donald Trump out of the GOP or something. A total con. They just posted a tweet on this question of religion over the weekend. They said, Joe Biden is a devout Catholic and regularly attends Sunday service. The last time Trump went to church, he gassed peaceful Americans. Now, so a lot of problems here. One, Catholics don't refer to Sunday service. Catholics go to mass. If the Lincoln Project knew anything about what they were talking about, they, they would know that distinction. Beyond that, Joe Biden's a devout Catholic. Joe Biden is endorsed by Planned Parenthood. Joe Biden was denied the Eucharist, the communion, at a church not so long ago. Joe Biden is an apostate from his faith who was rightly denied the Eucharist. There's nothing devout about it, but you see the left all the time. Talk, they pretend Nancy Pelosi. Also, actually, they, always, they say she's also a devout Catholic, or Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo lit up buildings in New York City pink to celebrate the wholesale slaughter of children. Okay, not, not a Catholic. Not Christian. We, we cannot let them get away with this kind of thing. We need to call it out for what it is. And some pastors and some, some bishops and some priests are doing that now. We need a lot more of that. The, the idea had always been this. Back away from the religious questions. Don't have the religious people attack the civil authorities. Don't talk about politics. And then maybe they'll leave us these little crumbs of religious liberty. They're not doing that, okay? They're suing nuns, for goodness sakes. They're not going to do that. You've got to get tougher. You're going to lose the whole game. And Joe Biden, even if Joe Biden were a devout Catholic, which he's not, but even if he were, he would not be protecting your liberty because Joe Biden can't form a coherent sentence. The Trump campaign has a great new ad on this, by the way. We'll get into what it means, how it's going to play politically. First, though, i got to thank our friends over at Wise Foods. You probably already know that our sponsor company, uh, Wise Company, has changed their name to ReadyWise. Now is a better time than any to be prepared with long-term nutritional food options. ReadyWise has things like emergency meals, free dried fruits and vegetables for convenient on-the-go nutrition, and new adventure meals for hiking, camping, and other outdoor activities. If the past few months have shown you anything, it's to expect the unexpected, and you will have peace of mind. You will feel a lot better if you stock up with ReadyWise. The meals are extremely simple. You just add water. They have a very long shelf life. It makes being prepared simple and affordable. You get to protect yourself and your family. You can order online and have nutritious meals shipped directly to your doorstep. This week, my listeners, 
can get free shipping at readywise.com when entering Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S at checkout or when you call 855-453-2945. Do it. Right? There is no risk right now. ReadyWise has a 90-day no questions asked return policy. No risk in taking the initiative to get yourself ready and your family prepared today. That is R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E.com. Promo code Knowles to get free shipping. Head on over there right now. So even if even if Joe Biden did want to protect our most cherished liberties, he, he probably wouldn't be able to do it because he more or less can only campaign on a rhetorical platform of gibberish. Take a listen to the latest. 1.2 billion. So you go ahead and you stack spaghetti sauce at a store and in, in, in a supermarket. You control the guy or the woman who runs the run, brings out the carts on, 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 on a forklift. What happened? Yeah, that's gonna, that's the guy who's going to defend all of our liberties and bring, bring us back to a, uh, to a sophisticated understanding of checks and balances in the American. I don't think so. I think he's ramp, rambling incoherently about spaghetti sauce. And it's not just one isolated incident. We've played many on this show. The Trump campaign right now is a devastating ad. The, the ad doesn't include any people openly attacking Joe Biden. The ad is just a comparison of Joe Biden in 2008 and Joe Biden in 2020. Don't forget, they're blaming right now. The Democrats are saying, oh, these attacks on Joe Biden, it's just about his childhood stutter. He hasn't lost a step. He's still totally with it. You sure about that? Take a listen. You ask anybody in there whether or not it's Biden, the 2008. and foreign policy of this administration has made them better off in the last eight years. And, uh, and in this Biden, to 2020. That, uh, in addition to that, we have to uh, make sure that we... Uh, we are in a position that we are. We can insure every single solitary kid. 2008. We can catastrophic health insurance right off the bat. We can do that for the cost of the just one thing, the tax cut for people in the top 1%. Um, uh, 2020. With, uh, with uh, I don't know. You got to give them to the people who are going to spend the money. You got to deal with making sure American companies can be competitive. Have a health care plan that doesn't put them at a disadvantage when they compete overseas. Um, you know, there's a uh, during World War II, uh, you know, where Roosevelt came up with a thing uh, that uh, you know was totally different than a than the, the it's called he called it the you know. Ugh. What happened to Joe Biden? That's the only question at the end of the ad. It's undeniable. I, what the media like to do now, what the Democrats like to do is memory hole everything that happened more than five minutes ago. So you just don't remember. They don't show you clips of Joe Biden, even in 2008. Forget about 1998, 1988, 1978. The guy's been around a long time. It's not a childhood stutter, okay? He's lost a step. He's lost more than a step. He's forgetting where he is. He's forgetting what his name is. And I... I Trump has received some criticism. The campaign has received criticism for going on this line of attack. Part of that is people think that we're setting expectations too low here as conservatives. We should, we should let people see what's going on at the debates and, and make a judgment for themselves. The trouble is the left is openly trying not to debate. And the Biden campaign is saying, we want to debate, but that's BS because all the people around the Biden campaign who are buoying up his entire candidacy are doing their damnedest 
to cancel these debates. The New York Times, left-wing columnists, left-wing TV show hosts, even comedy hosts, even people in the general popular culture don't want Biden on that debate stage. Here's uh, Jimmy Fallon, right, right, as mainstream, a kind of center-left comedian as you get, saying, oh, come on already, who needs debates? Speaking of the president, his campaign wants to make some changes to the debate schedule. Normally there's just three, but check out what they're proposing. The Trump campaign is asking for a fourth presidential debate to be held in the first week of September to get ahead of early voting. Oh my God, we're debating about the debates? They haven't even started. I'm already exhausted. At this point, who even needs debates? Who, who is undecided? Who's tuning in like, oh, I want to see what this Donald Trump guy's all about. <laughs> then I'll make my mind up. I need at least three debates. I haven't, haven't figured out who I'm going for yet. Then once I do, after the third debate, maybe the fourth one, then I'll, then I'll listen. Uh, actually, I don't mind another debate as long as it's just Trump naming things he sees in the room. Podium, moderator, Biden, camera, TV. <laughs> That's the last day for that joke. <laughs> Notice who was missing from that riff. I don't even, I won't even call it a joke. It wasn't particularly funny. You heard some groans out in the audience. Joe Biden was missing. It was all about Trump. The whole thing, right? He says, is there anyone out there who doesn't have his mind made up about Trump? Well, what about people who want to make up their mind about Biden either? You're not just voting against somebody. You have a candidate. The Democrats don't really have a candidate. They have this empty shell of a man who can't remember his own name and who's an empty, who's been an empty suit from the beginning. And what they want you to, to believe is that this election is only about Donald Trump, but it's not. Elections are choices. They're binary choices in America. If you vote against Donald Trump, that means you're voting for Joe Biden. Does anybody really think Joe Biden can, can be president, is competent, is fit to be president? I never thought he was, but he certainly isn't now. I mean, just at a very practical managerial level, the man does not appear to have his wits about him, whatever those wits were. So if, if you make it about those two guys, I think Trump wins. Is Trump's pitch for the last few days is, don't forget, not last few days, last few weeks at least, is we need order, we need law and order, we need some stability in this country. I'm a competent man. I'm an adult. I've got my wits about me. I'm not a child. And then there's Joe Biden, you know, who's who's kind of watching television or something in his basement, not even campaigning, not even knowing what this campaign is about. Don't let them do this to you. Don't let them hide. This is part of the reason why they, they want to cancel the debates, is they want to keep it about Trump for as long as possible. Don't let them do it. Because they're going to gaslight you on it, too. I kid you not. I was, unfortunately, watching some CNN over the weekend. I've been traveling a little bit, so in air, you're in an airport. That's, that is the time you watch CNN. And Brian Stelter had the audacity to suggest on his show with a number of guests that the Biden campaign is being treated unfairly because of the media. The mainstream media are too pro-Trump. Take a listen. If you look at like the 1990s and the way that Rush Limbaugh and others sort of sharpened their teeth on Bill Clinton, this has been the way they've built audiences for three decades now. Yeah, I don't want to claim it's new. I just am arguing that it's getting worse. It's getting more severe. Uh, Aaron, your view of this, you know, when you see um, entire media companies essentially exist to tear down Joe Biden, is there an equivalent to that on the left tearing down Trump? Uh, there, there really isn't. And, you know, what I would say, it, it, it's, a, it's really a diet of, of this type of information that a lot of these voters are getting. A lot of the voters that I talk to, I can, uh, you know, when I interview them, I do hear 
uh, them saying a lot of the talking points that sound very familiar from, from some of these shows, which I try to listen to when I'm out on the campaign trail or when I'm yeah. at home, uh, you know, watching TV. You know, you can you can hear these uh, these comments being echoed uh, by, by voters. And you know that this is the diet that they're on, uh, cons- you know, AM radio, uh, you know, conservative talk. Uh, also, social media. I mean, the Trump campaign is running a full-blown campaign on social media that is completely off the radar for, for a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, regular media uh, is not covering this. There, there is a media company dedicated to going after Joe Biden. Is there anything like that on the left dedicated to going after Donald Trump other than ABC, NBC, CBS? which had over 92% negative coverage of Donald Trump from the beginning, or the New York Times, or the Washington Post, or MSNBC, or CNN, or, or the whole media, the entire, the, the entire mainstream media have been hysterically anti-Trump from day one. And before that, they were anti-Bush. And before, before that, they were, I guess they were anti-Romney, then anti-McCain, then anti-Bush, then anti-Dole. Then they've been anti-Republican from the beginning, especially anti-Trump. They've spread ridiculous conspiracy theories about him, like that he's a, a M- Moscow spy who's, a, you know, a stooge and a traitor to Russia. Or, or they, they said they didn't pay any of his taxes, completely made up. Or they said he was actually working for Ukraine or they colluding with them. Or he all just this ridiculous nonsense. And they say, they say worse things, by the way. They talk about, I mean, they, they suggest that he's, he's, you know, a creep and a lech and a this and a that, and he's a, a rapist and a thisist and a that. I mean, they say all these sorts of terrible things. And then they come back, they say, yeah, the media, they're just so, they're just so against Biden. Listen to what they cite. They say, yeah, there's right-wing talk radio. Wait, so Rush Limbaugh. Okay. You get the entire media apparatus is pro Biden and you've got Rush Limbaugh. He's pro Trump basically, right? Rush Limbaugh kind of is talk radio and everybody else is kind of falls within that umbrella. Or they say, yeah, Trump's making these posts on social media. Oh, the campaign is using social media. Oh, are we, we're still allowed to do that, please. Right? Is that okay? Republicans are still allowed to campaign on social media. The Biden campaign is campaigning on social media. Do they, they don't mention that. So are they just liars? Are they gaslighting us? Yeah, probably. They do gaslight us all the time. Because, not, oh my gosh, not only are the, the left-wing media attacking Trump and attacking Trump supporters, there are actually media watchdogs, many of whom I'm sure are watching this show right now, who are, are groups like Media Matters or Right Wing Watch, or all these kind of political operative organizations that pretend to be 501c3 nonprofits that exist just to not only take out Republican politicians, but to take out even Republican commentators, people talking about it. So we got, we've got the media attacking us and we've got the the media watchdogs attack. You've got all these sort of things. So they're, they're gaslighting us on one hand. But to give Stelter and the Democrats the benefit of the doubt, let's say they're not lying for a second. It actually is plausible that they don't realize that the whole media are pro, pro-Biden and anti-Trump. And the reason for that is the same reason that you and I are not aware of the air that we walk around in. And fish are not aware of the water that they swim around in. It's the whole culture. When we talk about fake news, we're not just talking about one or two fake stories in the New York Times, though there are many fake stories in the New York Times, prominent ones. It's the whole culture. The thing that makes them fake news is that they pretend they're news. They're not news. They're not objective. They're partisan hacks who pretend to be news and get certain benefits for that, but who are merely operatives, mouthpieces for the Democratic Party, and now specifically for Joe Biden, the candidate.
we're, I think a lot of people on the left are not aware of that. So it is possible that they're that oblivious. They might just be lying to us too. Maybe it's a little bit of both. And maybe that's what we're going to see more of through, through November. You know, we, I think even we, even we conservatives, even people who take a listen to this show, who listen to the various examples of this, sometimes forget how crazy the culture has gotten. And then we, and then we get reminded, University of Georgia has just issued a, a mandate to students, some guidance on how to move forward during COVID. Do you think the guidance was on how they can continue to learn, how they can take notes, how they can go to class while protecting themselves? No. The guidance was about how when these teenagers have sex, they should wear masks when they have sex. It's not a joke. Here's the, here's the guidance. Consider wearing a face mask during sex Heavy breathing and panting can further spread the virus, and wearing a mask can reduce the risk. So, I mean, that's all true. I guess that's right. But do you remember when when universities were in loco parentis, when they were when you know they would kick the girls out of the dorms at, at 9 p.m. or actually before that, when education was single sex because you were discouraged from having sex in the culture broadly outside of marriage and certainly at universities with all these. Now, the, the university is giving you tips on how to get kinky with the co-eds. They're encouraging you to do it. And then, the, the, but that's kind of, you know, perfectly natural, you might say. Then the next part is even, even wilder. They say, quote, you are your safest sex partner. Practice solo sex or limit the number of sexual partners you have. So, so limit the number of like, hey, they can't tell you to, uh, you know, maybe cool it and keep your modesty and virtue because that they, they call that slut shaming. So they say, would you mind maybe limiting the number of sexual partners? You know, no more than three or four a day, please. And please practice solo sex. What is solo sex? So I, I believe Woody Allen defined it as uh, sex with someone who loves you. <laughs> When it's just you and, you know, you turn the blinds down and you go into your own room. In any case, that's a real inversion of the culture. For the vast majority of the history of this country, uh, sex outside of marriage would be discouraged. Sex among teenagers who are off at college would be discouraged. Masturbation would be discouraged. But we now have a new, a new kind of religious worldview, a new morality and we pretend that it's just the absence of religion. We pretend that it's totally neutral, but it's not. There's nothing neutral about encouraging teenagers to have sex with one another. There's nothing neutral about encouraging masturbation with kind of silly euphemisms and things like that. That, that is another religious view. That's the religious view of the secular left. And we're, we are coming to a head in this religious war. Cardinal Manning, I mention the quote on the show all the time because it's so true. At bottom, all human conflict is theological. And those are two theologies. Those are two religious views of the world. Which one do you want to live in? Uh, one is very tempting, you know. Uh, all this kind of indulgent behavior is uh, very fun. There's a, re- there's a reason that it's so tempting. But is, th- is that what's going to make a good society? Is that what's going to make us good, good people as individuals? Or are we going to come to regret that? You know, it's, it's always fun to have a lot of drinks at the time. It's always fun, you know, okay, I'll have one more, you know, five drinks later. But then you have the hangover the next day. We've got a bit of a cultural hangover right now. And going back, reading those founding fathers, you notice there's a big difference they make between liberty and licentiousness. Liberty, we're exercising your freedom in the true sense of that. 
raising ourselves up, leading to human flourishing, and licentiousness, which is outright just discouraged or, or banned or talk, talked about as sort of the, the end of, of free government. Licentiousness, where you just follow your own appetites, do whatever you want. Well, now we've got a culture that, <laughs> I, it seems to me that the Christian culture that, that founded this country promoted liberty and ordered liberty. And this current religion of secular wokeism is pr- promoting nothing other than licentiousness. You want to see how creepy this gets? Hasbro. They make toys. You know, Hasbro. Just made a new toy called the Trolls World Tour Giggle and Sing Poppy. This is a doll that, that uh, you know, you push a button, like all, all these little toys, right? You push a button, it makes a sound. So where's the button? Well, it's this little troll girl, obviously like a child, and she's got a button on her stomach, and you push the button on her stomach, and she makes a sound. She's got another button. They put another button in between her legs, and when you push that button, she makes, she makes disturbing sound. The button itself is disturbingly placed, and the, the sounds she makes are disturbing too. Take a listen to one parent who bought this toy and discovered this creepy, pervy button. So I just touched her tummy and she's going to sing for a minute. But down here is a button right here on her privates. And if you push those, she makes these sounds. Like a gasping sound. That is yucky. That is yucky and creepy and weird. It's so funny. You, you hear about all these conspiracy theories that always float around the internet of international pedophile rings and this pedophile culture, right? And then people say, oh, that's like a crazy conspiracy theory. And, and uh, you know, no, there's no way that there's this international pedophile ring that involves heads of state and prime ministers and members of the royal family and they go to a Caribbean island and say, oh, wait a second. Yeah, yikes, right? And then now, forget about that. And it's hard for me to imagine that that was an accident with that toy doll. I'm, I'm not uh, saying there's some, some group somewhere, some conspiracy group of like the Illuminati, you know, who's making all these kind of weird pedophile things. But it is evidence of a, of a broken sexual culture that anyone at any point would think that that is acceptable. To have a little button in, on the doll right there where you push it. And, and the doll makes those sounds, and then kids are going to get those. Do- that is some creepy, creepy stuff. And it, it, it makes you understand that this debate we're having right now, on the left and the right, it comes down to a kind of cultural and religious point. We used to just debate over tax rates. That was kind of 80s, 90s conservatism. It's like, yeah, we're going to lower taxes a lot more. Yeah, well, if you elect us again, we'll lower taxes even more. And I, I like low taxes, but that's not motivating people. There's a cultural and religious issue. It gives you a lot, of, a lot of respect for the, the young kids who are a little bit more traditional, who are saying something here seriously broken. We'll get into that. We'll get into specifically, by the way, what President Trump is going to do for the next three months, not just as a matter of campaign, but as a matter of policy. There was a huge announcement that he made uh, just over the past few days. We'll get to all that. But first, I've got to say... Thank you to you. I'm going to thank you for heading on over to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel. That's where we, we check through the comments and pick, pick comments that, you know, sort of tickle us like we're a troll doll. Um, so head on over there, subscribe. We appreciate it. I've got a full interview with Eric Metaxas that uh, we did right before I came down, down here uh, 
last week. So great, great interview. Eric is just fascinating. Uh, you can go check that out. Also, don't forget to join our most exclusive membership tier over at Daily Wire, All Access. All Access members get to join All Access Live, which is a ton of fun. All Access Live is, uh, you know, when we just speak directly with, uh, with the members, and it's great, and, you know, we make a lot of friendships that way. Uh, also, you, you will get uh, early access and exclusive access to some promos that we're doing. For instance, we just made this baseball, the Daily Wire baseball bat. It was very cool. It was only available to All Access members. Sold out within less than 48 hours, I'm sorry to say, even before I got mine. But uh, make sure you sign up now. You'll, you'll have access to that. You'll also get uh, not one, but two leftist tears tumblers. So right now, head to dailywire.com slash Knowles. Get 20% off All Access with coupon code ACCESS. That's 20% off with coupon code ACCESS at dailywire.com slash Knowles. And we'll be right back with a lot more. When you see creepy things like that troll doll, it, it starts to give you a, a little bit more of an understanding of these 18-year-old traditionalist kids who are anti-porn. Do you remember at the end of last year, I guess it was December, January, we were having this debate on the right over whether to ban porn or to regulate porn. And, you know, some people said we got to ban it outright. And some people were aghast. They said, oh my gosh, no, porn is a blessing of liberty. We love porn. Porn's so, George Washington would roll over in his grave if you banned porn. And you might say it's impractical to ban porn, but as, as a matter of principle, I don't think any of the founders would have had a problem with that. Makes you understand them, because you look at this completely insane, broken sexual culture where you've got, you've got university administrators whose job it is to encourage teenagers to to fornicate and masturbate, and they're sending out guidelines about this, and toy makers who are making pervert child sex dolls. You don't want to live in that culture, do you? And one line you always heard in that, in that whole porn debate was that these more traditionalist kids who were overwhelmingly young teenagers or early 20s, that they were hypocrites. Because you know what? I bet some of them have looked at porn before. I bet some of them have looked at naked ladies on the internet. See, they're hypocrites. We don't need to listen to them. That's not hypocrisy. The fact that we live in this highly pornographic culture where we move around it like we move through the air or fish move through the water, maybe that's a reason why these, especially these young kids, are so anti-porn. Because they've lived with it. They know not only the temptation of it, but they know the awful effects of it. Awful effects on young men, awful effects on young women. You know, it causes men to have sexual problems. It's led to an increase in in bizarre sex, sometimes violent sex, uh, completely disordered sexual expectations, obviously lots of sexual regret, which is what's led to what, what's called the, the, you know, the epidemic of campus rape. You know, what we hear now is that one in four women will be raped on campus, as though Harvard Yard is as dangerous as downtown Fallujah. That's not exactly what's going on here, right? I can't, I can't imagine that's true. I don't see evidence of that. What's really going on, though, is we have this insanely broken sexual culture, and so people are very confused and have different expectations and lots and lots of shame and regret. The fact that some of these 18-year-old kids, you know, if you're 18 right now, you never grew, you grew up in a world that always had high-speed internet and this kind of ubiquitous porn and all this stuff. Maybe, maybe that informs your opinion. Maybe, you, maybe these kids have lived through it and they say, yeah, that's bad. We shouldn't, we shouldn't have so much of this. We should not encourage this. We are, we are learning from the children. 
out of the mouths of babes, I suppose. Meanwhile, you see child, childish temper tantrums all around the country. People burning down the country, tearing down statues, screaming, shrieking. And President Trump just made an explicit appeal on this point. He, he was uh, giving a press conference and he, he was describing the Green New Deal. This is a left-wing policy they've been pushing for it now for a few years. Massive, would totally overhaul society. Has very little to do with the environment, the natural environment. Has much more to do with socialism and the redistribution of wealth and reparations for slavery and all this kind of nonsense. And he came out and he said, you know, the Green New Deal is for children and I'm the adult in the room. You look at what they want to do. They want to raise everybody's taxes, everybody. And they want to do the Green New Deal, which will decimate our country and decimate. It's ridiculous, too. It's childish. I actually say the Green New Deal is childish. It's for children. It's not for adults. (laughs) Anybody that believes in that is, uh, I don't know, maybe it's politics. I don't even think it's good politics. They seem to think so. We'll see how they do. Is it good politics? I don't think it is for the left. I think, I think this is an important theme that, that since the Trump campaign has kind of righted the ship, they've been picking up on, which is law and order, right? We are going to restore law and order. The last few months have been an insane temper tantrum. Trump is the adult in the room and he's going to take charge. And I think that's a successful message for the Trump campaign. And he's taking it not just on making fun of the Green New Deal. He's putting forward affirmative policies. So we've been waiting for another COVID relief package. Remember the last one spent two to three trillion, levered up to six trillion, and it got us through four months, sort of. It didn't even really do that. We're kind of hobbling away and the economy is in free fall. So the Senate can't agree with the House on a deal and the House Democrats can't agree with the Senate Republicans. So Trump just came out, issued executive orders on COVID relief. And the plan includes some, some good policy, some bad policy. Take a listen to the announcement. Democrats are obstructing all of it. Therefore, I'm taking executive action. We've had it. And we're going to save American jobs and provide relief to the American workers that I'll be signing these bills in a very short period of time. First one is I'm providing a payroll tax holiday to Americans earning less than $100,000 per year. In a few moments, I will sign a directive instructing the Treasury Department to allow employers to defer payment of the employee portion of certain payroll taxes from September 1st. And we're actually going to be making that. We just got the word. We're just getting some uh, word from a lot of people. We didn't think we'd have to do this because we thought the Democrats would be reasonable, but they've been not only unreasonable, they've been ridiculous. They have been ridiculous. Payroll tax holiday is a great idea. A lot of Republicans have been calling for that. The thing that's nice about it is it gives workers some money because you pay part of your payroll tax, but it also gives employers an incentive to hire you back because it gives the employers a little bit of a cut. They pay part of the payroll tax. So it makes perfect sense. It's a great idea. Love that policy. I love that Trump did it. Also, some of Trump's executive order is going to protect renters from evictions. So obviously it puts puts people who own property in a a tough position, but what are you going to do? You're going to evict people. They haven't done it yet, so I don't know that you had to issue a guidance on that. And then uh, expands unemployment benefits by $400 per week, uh, 25% of which could be covered by the states. I like the idea that the states have to cover some of it because they've been clamoring for this. I don't like the idea that you're incentivizing people to stay out of work, and that's really what this is doing. If you pay people more money than they would ordinarily get paid to work, to not work, what are people going to do? They're going to not work. 
There was a Cato study that showed that a full two-thirds of people on the COVID unemployment benefits have made more money than they otherwise would have made working. And a full one-third of people made double. And not a good situation. I don't begrudge people their extra 400 bucks a week or, or whatever the deal is, 600 bucks a week before this. But you're, you're playing into the democratic hands of giving people a reason not to go back to work. I think Trump wants to seem like Daddy Warbucks here. He wants to seem like Santa Claus and like he really cares about the people and he's not beholden to old libertarian stodgy ideologies. Fine. I see all of that. But you've got what now? 80 some odd days until the election. You've got to incentivize people to go back to work. You, you, you know, you keep paying out $400 per week. That's not going to do a whole lot. It took us what? It was $6 trillion total to get us through four months. That's $18 trillion a year if we were to just keep trying to stimulate the economy all the way through COVID. Well, at the, at the rate that GDP is falling, uh, we, we won't even have $18 trillion even if we took everybody's money. Can't do that. Got to, got to just push to reopen. And by the way, the American people would be on Trump's side. There's a video that went viral over the weekend of a bunch of good old fashioned patriots who were, who were, uh, at a, pro-police rally and a bunch of Antifa thugs, organized leftist vandals came up and started harassing not just a regular ordinary protester, but a guy in a wheelchair. It did not end very well for Antifa. You hear them, you hear them say, yeah, F you, you communist scum. I mean, these Antifa guys are all wearing black. They're in full, right? They're, they're an organized group. Ah, there goes the brawl. So, Oh my. And it, and it unfortunately turns violent. These Antifa people had weapons on them, by the way. And so they, they're coming out, they're harassing this guy in the wheelchair. Initially, they're just being chased out of town. Then it seems to turn into a brawl. Finally, finally, the cops get there and the Antifa people start throwing punches at the cops, which is just not, not a good idea, Antifa people. This is, this is, we were talking about porn earlier. That is porn to the American people watching a bunch of patriots not take it from violent leftist thugs and then watching then those violent leftist thugs get arrested, that is like porn. That is like crack for the American people. Because no matter what stupid nonsense you see on the mainstream media, which pretends that the media are left wing and they lament how, how, or they pretend that the media are right wing rather, and they lament how there's no left wing media, even as they're on CNN, no matter what they say, the American people are normal, mostly normal. They like their liberty. They like their cherished traditions. They don't like it when leftist thugs harass people in wheelchairs. They don't like that. Okay. It does show you a lesson that, first of all, if the cops are not going to enforce order, if the civil authority is not going to enforce order, then civilians are going to do it. We don't like vigilante justice in this country, but someone, someone will impose order. Who's that going to be? I don't think Antifa is turning out very well for the, the left. I don't think BLM, trained Marxists, are, are working very well for the left. Actually, the mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, completely d- derelicted his duty. He's let that, that city go up in flames. But he, he recently did an interview and he said, stop it. Stop being so violent. You're giving the Trump campaign the ads that they want. 
This is a political point, so it's a little out of field. Um, don't think for a moment that you are, if you are participating in this activity, that you are not being a prop for the reelection campaign of Donald Trump, because you absolutely are. You are creating the B-roll film that will be used in ads nationally to help Donald Trump during his campaign. You don't want to be part of that, then don't show up. Uh, that's true, but I don't really understand why Mayor Wheeler thinks that it's illegitimate for the right to just film the left doing what they do. <laughs> you know, just, oh, you're playing into the nefarious hands of the Trump campaign by letting them film you doing what you do. It's not like the Trump campaign is making this stuff up. They're just turning on the cameras and letting it play out. This kind of violence in the streets that you, you notice it's not about one issue or another, right? It's not, they're not doing this over COVID or something. The, the heads of BLMs, they were trained Marxists. What is Marxism? Marxism is the, the most widespread, pernicious, atheist ideology dedicated to the overthrow of Western civilization that we have ever seen. That's what it is. And we fought a whole Cold War against it. Seems like we haven't totally beaten it out. These issues are not just at the political level. They're not even just at the cultural level. Like Cardinal Manning says, they get down to a religious level as well. <laughs> you're, you're, either, uh, you're either on the right side or the wrong side. You're with the angels or you're with the devils. You're with me or against me, to quote scripture. Which side are you on? We can all sit around. I, I notice this with conservatives. Conservatives always like to sit around and, and you know, you could get a room of a hundred conservatives and all, every single one of them would, would be a different kind of conservative. And all they would want to do is argue about which kind of conservative they are. And you'd have the libertarians yelling at the traditionalists and all this kind of stuff. Hostilities are never so hot as when they are within a religion. Intra-religious debates are always much hotter than inter-religious debate. And I, I bring up religion here too, because it's not just about the politics. It's about it's about the religion. I think we are going to have to band together as people who broadly support our cherished traditions, our institutions, our rights, our liberties, our culture, our forefathers, and ultimately our God. We're going to have to band together and get past all of our differences because there is a cold religious civil war going on right now between religion and the secular left and not religion. And when you read those founders whose statues the left is toppling down right now, they all feared that this day would come. And they knew that the republic could not withstand it. That is the choice in the election. And there is a choice. It's not just all about Trump or, or President Trump's personality. And ironically, President Trump, who the left always calls so childish, he may be the adult in the room right now. That's, that's the evidence that we're seeing, right? That's, that's what the Trump campaign is making. So which side are you on? Are we going to come together? Are we going to join together, like Ben Franklin said? Or are we going to perish apart? That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. 
The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental. And that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Listen.